You're listening to the Della Darling Podcast. I'm Emily. And I'm Dara. We're taking Dara's love of telling people's stories, Emily's love of attending events, and our mutual love of the first date, and highlighting the best people to meet, places to go, and things to do that Delaware has to offer. Hello everyone, Dara and I are so excited to have you guys listening in today. We have two guests today and we're just so excited to hear from them and learn about what they're up to both in Delaware and elsewhere. I think that Nutmeg is going to start to get jealous that she's not the only guest that we have on the podcast. Please excuse any grumbling you hear from her. She does get jealous and is very vocal about it. And she's a dog. And she's a dog. That's true. So she doesn't really have a semblance of um, what is polite. So I think that this latest podcast when we were talking about what we've been up to was a bit of a role reversal because I could think of a lot of things that I've been doing, but your your list was a little bit shorter. But we had a lot of stuff that we did together. We did a lot of things together. I didn't do as much on my own. And part of that was my 4th of July holiday was spent um, visiting family in Virginia. So I sort of packed a lot more into the week before 4th of July and not so much the week of 4th of July. I will admit that I took 4th of July a little bit easy. I used it as like, I had the day off from work and I used it as like a catch up day on all of the other things that I do with my life instead of going on a picnic and watching fireworks and all that fun stuff. I understand. I did the opposite. I went swimming in the lake or in the James River. My aunt and uncle have a house there with a dock. So shout out to them for uh, letting me use the paddle board and go swimming and spending some time with my niece and nephew and my cousins. So let's go back to the first little trip that you took, which is not really a trip at all. But one of the things that we did together a couple weeks ago was that we went to Elkton, Maryland, which is just over the border. You know, I, I think we packed enough into the day. It was a day trip. It was it was absolutely a day trip. It was a day trip. So that was great. We went to the Palette and the Page, which is an art gallery and studio in Elkton, Maryland on their main street. And it was so great. We, we had the chance to learn quilling and paper embroidery. Um, and I will say, I enjoyed it and would do it again. However, it did take three hours to make one greeting card. I think I'm gonna hang my greeting card up at, at like my desk as a little artwork that I admire for the rest of my life because it, it did take some time to put it together and I am proud of the time I invested in that piece. I understand. I, I was planning to give mine to my mom for her birthday and that may still happen, but I, I like your idea of hanging it up. That may be something I put up at my desk in my, in my office. So quilling was not something that I was familiar with until you sent me the link to this workshop. So explain what it is. So quilling, you take these long, thin strips of paper and you use a quilling tool to roll them tightly. And so then you you can, after you roll them, you sort of fan them out and you can create flowers, you can create different designs. So we did just really simple quilling just by doing flowers and not really anything more complicated than that. But there are some really, really beautiful quilling, quill art, I guess, out there. I know um, the pastor, the church I grew up at, um, when my brother finished his Eagle Project at the church, that pastor had actually moved on elsewhere. So when my brother sent him an invitation to the court of honor, he actually sent it back and framed and everything. And he had quilled decor all around the invitation. And I thought that was such a thoughtful and like from the heart gift when you can just sort of take the invitation like that, and I would envision doing it for weddings, engagement parties, et cetera, and it would be just a great gift for that. And so Debbie Arnold was the artist that we worked with um, for the workshop, and she is a Delaware-based artist, uh, and she said that she'll do quilling like while she's watching TV. Yeah, she likes to do it in the evenings. Um, I think, you know, there are people who knit, people who, my grandmother quilts, she's a sewer and she quilts. Um, so that's what she will do in the evenings when she listens to MBR or anything like that. And and Debbie does that. And, and I could envision myself doing that if I'm not engrossed in my TV show. The thing that I like and that I think made this a little bit of a day trip was that we kind of happened upon some fun things after the workshop. Because um, I wanted to go drop by State Line Liquors, um, which is right at the border. Um, yes. It's on the way Maryland home. Delaware, on the way from Elton into Newark. Um, and we stopped there and we were pleasantly surprised, uh, to discover the Waffle and Joe food truck. 
Yeah, and it was so great. We um and we just got cups of coffee. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I I did an iced coffee. You did hot. So mm-hmm. we sort of we sort of did the taste test on both there, and it was delicious. And you know, Joe and oh, I cannot remember the other the other guy's name, the other guy who was working and actually served us. But they were both there, and they were just so friendly and helpful. And they they definitely did not mind us taking photos and Instagramming and tweeting them. And then I think our big day trip, which can officially and unofficially be called a day trip, is when we all went up to Philly the um, the Saturday before July 4th. Yeah, we went up to the Academy of Music to see Aladdin. And overall, it was great. I think my biggest complaint was that there were just too many children. I know, I know. It was 2 o'clock on a Saturday at Aladdin in the nosebleeds. I understand it is geared towards children. I totally get it. And most of them were fine, but the one little girl sitting next to us was old enough to know better and had ants in her pants and just could not sit down and be quiet. And like I said, she was she was old enough to know. But to give some people like a little bit of a background, this is something that you suggested we do because Philly and, and Wilmington to an extent, but of course Philly brings a slightly different flavor. Um, they have touring Broadway shows where it is the official touring company that is their their Broadway train. They're going across the country delivering um, the show. Yeah, and they um, typically when they come to Philly, I mean, they may only be there for a week, but often they're there for a couple of months when they come through and tour. So actually it was nice. I went back in February and saw Waitress, and then like Dara was saying, you know, we just went and saw Aladdin, which was a really fun little girlfriend's outing. Mm-hmm. So my thing about the show, um, and we like we made a day of it. I started, I met you in the middle because I had been up in New York City for a wedding. So you guys, you came up from Wilmington. I came down from New York on Amtrak, um, which was important for later in the podcast today. Um, and it, it was just, it was a nice little outing. And I love, I love theater. And of course with Aladdin, you know the story. So there aren't really going to be any surprises. But we did find that there were there had to be a couple tweaks in that anytime they removed an animal from the show, they had to replace it with three people. Right. So no Raja the tiger, no Abu the monkey. And so Aladdin had three friends, Jasmine had three friends. And I think you can all do the math that the friends ended up with the friends. As would happen. It was a very hallmark of them. And they, and they got a song. Yes, yes. The, the friends did get a song. I a think a that, song of their own in addition to the songs they sang with Aladdin as his backup yeah. band. And I think that was my favorite new addition was there was like the three best friends. Like High Adventure. High Adventure. They were going on an adventure. That was a fun addition. Um, but to me, the thing that I was shocked by, absolutely shocked, but again, I should have known better, um, was that the genie didn't get the final bow. But it is called Aladdin. I, I agree because, you know, and this was a hot topic actually when the movie came out in 1992, was that the likeness of the genie took up like 80% of the poster. And there was a lot of drama with the licensing with Robin Williams' voice and how much of a lead, like they weren't paying enough for him to take up that much of a lead space. And it, there was a lot of drama related to that. But let's be honest, the genie is the real star. He, I really enjoyed the genie's performance. He did when he was singing um, the song in the cave. Is that? Yes. What is that? That's not Friend Like Me. Is it? It is Friend Like Me. He did like a little riff of a couple other Disney songs. Yes, he did. He was very talented. And I think, I don't remember if you told me this or Gretchen had read it in the program. He originated the role in the Australian Broadway version. Yes, in the Australian tour, he originated the role of the genie. I thought he was very talented and just a lot of fun. There was some breaking of the fourth wall, interacting with the the audience. Which I think Disney Broadway is famous Mm -hmm. for. I know when I went to see um, The Lion King, Zazu did did a good amount of that. He was sort of the sassy one of that that Mm -hmm. movie and and show. And so I think that's sort of a Disney signature. They, They really understand... Obviously, Disney is for the kids, but they mm-hmm. really understand that you're not going to have a successful brand for children if you 
can't have a brand geared toward the parents as well. Mm-hmm. So I felt even further validated when I looked up the reviews and um, WHYY on their website, their review was titled Aladdin or possibly the genie at the Academy of Music. Agreed. Um, and then I thought it was also a really great food day in Philly, perhaps maybe more so for me than for you because I stayed the night. Um, that's right. That's right. Well, we, I enjoyed our, we did go to Barra Rosa, which is right near, it's fairly close to the Academy Music, but it's actually very, very close to Jefferson Hospital and, um, the Forest Theater on Walnut. So if you're in that area, Barra Rosa, very good. So we did go there and have a bottle of wine, a sparkling rosé, and we had a cheese and charcuterie platter, which was great. Mm -hmm. But you had gone to Reading Terminal Market earlier. Yes. And then you went out to dinner after. I did. And the, as much as I loved Aladdin, I really, really enjoyed the corn dog that I had at Reading Terminal Market. So for those of you, again, we talk about this a lot, but... What's really important to note is that this was a gluten-free corn dog stand. And so everything about it was just naturally gluten-free. Right. And so that's that's really great. That's not always the case with cornbread. Sometimes it is, sometimes it's not. And I love corn dogs, so I'm glad Dara got to partake in one of my favorite foods. I thought of you as I was eating it. Um, and then at night I so that the corn dog place was called Fox and Sons and the line was very long, so I'm sure anyone, regardless of food allergies, was there to enjoy a good corn dog. For sure. Um, and then it for evening, I went out to an Italian restaurant called um, Davios. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly, but I had gnocchi. Oh, so good. Really good. And um, they gave me a gluten-free popover with like gruyere crisps on top. Oh my gosh. Really good. That sounds amazing. My only complaint was that the waiter kept coming by. I was not like... I didn't have, Was like, the waiter too attentive? The waiter kept, like, asking me if I needed a side. And I left feeling really full. Oh, he was a little too attentive. I think he maybe wanted me to spend more money. Well, more money, more tip. This is true. But I enjoyed myself, and I, I would recommend either. That's good. Um, so we definitely had a good time in Philly, but I think we did at least a couple other little Delaware things. So what else did you do, Dee? I've had a couple of, like... Sly Delawarean things creep into my life lately. Where I recently um, bought my first book from Market Street Books. So if you're not familiar, um, Ninth Street Bookshop in Wilmington recently closed, and there have been a group of um, entrepreneurs and writers and local literary enthusi- enthusiasts who have kind of stepped up and are trying to do something in place of Ninth Street Bookshop, um, and. The main outlet for that is this online platform, Market Street Books, um, where you can be a subscriber for the whole year and they'll just automatically send you books. Um, Or you can kind of choose a la carte where you get um, their selections. So they have maybe some like five or six, five or six people who will recommend like their book of the month and um, you can sign up and pick it. So I've been following what they've been doing, but I haven't actually bought a book until now. Um, and I, I, apparently my book is in the mail. Um, so this, this month I ordered A Long Way From Home by Peter Carey, um, which was Marisa De Los Santos's pick of the month. Um, and I was inspired to pick it because I'm a novel girl. I like a good novel. That's Agreed. what I was interested in. Agreed. Fiction's where it's at. Um, and for this month when she pitched it, she started by saying that, um, her husband, who is also an author, David Teague, um, when, I guess earlier in their relationship, he had picked out one of these books and given it to her, and now, like, this was, this was a, a great other story from Peter Carey, who's been this author that she's been following, um, for a lot of her life. So whenever there's, like, that emotional connection, or, like, I, really I love personal, that they've, like, made an, like, they're trying to localize mm-hmm. sort of the way you choose books, and mm-hmm. so getting the recommendation from a local author, and that person having some sort of connection to it, like you said, this emotional connection from her husband to this book, I, I just think that that's so much more powerful, and it goes a lot farther than just, you know, the standard Goodreads review of the five books to read this summer kind of thing. So I think that's great. Yeah, so it's like, it's not a book by a local author, but it has that local connection where you get to to feel something personal. Um, So I had a scary moment where I finished a book this weekend and then I realized I didn't have another book waiting on my nightstand table for me to pick up next. So I'm hoping that it's ready for me to read soon. 
One last thing that we got to do before I left for my trip to Virginia last week was actually have a phone call with Katrina Medoff. So Katrina is a graduate of the Sanford School. She graduated there in 2009, same as Dara and me from Charter. And I actually met Katrina when we were going to Bucknell together. So that's sort of where we where we were connected was that we were Delawareans at Bucknell. And she now is killing it in New York. She's involved in so many different short films, so many women's film groups, women's acting groups. And I'm just so impressed by her, Dara. I really enjoyed our conversation with her. I love hearing from artists, no matter where they are and how they're making it work. I, I think it's fascinating. And I'm a little jealous that I have a desk job and she's doing so much creative stuff. Agreed. And she has really started some awesome initiatives, including the Women's Weekend Film Festival. And we were just so excited to get the chance to talk to her about her background, her work, her work with the, the festival, or the challenge, the Women's Weekend Film Challenge, sorry. And... We're just so excited to share with you guys our chat with Katrina. Hi, Katrina. Hi. So Dara and I were so excited to talk to you about your work um, on the Women's Weekend Film Challenge. And we just can't wait to hear everything about it. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me on the show. We're glad to have you. Um, and so Emily and Katrina know each other, but I'm new to this conversation. So I would love to hear a little bit about um, well, how you two met. What is your Delaware connection? So we're both um, from Delaware, went to different schools. I went to Samford School, and you went to Charter, right, Emily? Yes. Um, so we met when we were both about to be freshmen at Bucknell University in Pennsylvania. I'm not sure if there was some sort of Delaware event or just a list of people who are from Delaware, but either way, it's like a very short list. So... Um, we lived so close together that we ended up connecting, obviously, I think before we even went to school, right? Yeah. I, I, if I remember correctly, Ella introduced us or connected oh. us, I guess, because Ella went to school with you at Sanford and I had known her through my church and youth group. Oh my and gosh. So I didn't remember that. I think she, I know I had to think back on it because now it's been, this is crazy, but it's been, you know, almost 10 years. Oh my um, God. <laughs> I know. So I had to think back on that. I think Ella introduced us or, or at least connected us. But, and yeah, we definitely did meet. I think we had breakfast or lunch or something before we left for Bucknell. And yes. Then we got yeah. To know each other. Yeah. We got to know each other while we were there. Mm -hmm. How many Delawareans were at Bucknell? Oh my gosh. I have no idea. There was one other girl from my school and I feel Gone. like we didn't come across them like super often, which is crazy because Delaware is obviously right next to Pennsylvania. Yeah, I would say we had about 900 students per class. And I think we had under 10. We're from Delaware, if I had to give an estimate. About about 10. Pretty crazy. Uh, yeah, I, I went to Syracuse. And I think there were maybe one or two Delawareans. But it was it was definitely always exciting when you met one. Um, people, in the wild, people from Delaware, they just love talking about Delaware. What? So growing up in Delaware, um, what kind of access to arts events and theater events did you have? Do you remember like your first theatrical memory of like the moment that you decided that you wanted to go into the arts? Gosh, I wish I had that specific memory. I do remember. Um, so I went to Samford School from kindergarten through 12th grade. And I remember that our the first show that I was able to audition for was Annie because they were looking for little kids. And I had this like dream that I would like walk into the audition room and just like blow them away and be Annie or something. But like, I was too shy to have like even practiced singing. So I, you know, I just had never really sung alone before. And so of course I wasn't even, I wasn't called, you know, even called back, I think, let alone cast. And, um, but for some reason, that was like something I really needed to do. So I was in the shows in high school and everything at Samford and then ended up majoring in theater at Bucknell. But yeah, I don't have like a specific, you know, one show that I saw or anything. Mm -hmm. Do you have any other artists, like musicians, performers in your family? Um, some. Yeah. My, also, my sister, uh, my younger sister is going into the theater world. She's a stage manager. Um, but 
the two of us, like our, our parents aren't in the arts. So we just sort of like both somehow ended up there. Yeah. Um, I'm not, so I think I got this right, but I think on your uh, list of shows, did I see that you did West Side Story at the DuPont Theater? Oh yeah, that was the Delaware All-State Theater. I did that right after my senior year of high school with um, some friends from Sanford, but then of course people from all over the state, which is so much fun. It was so great to be in this like amazing giant theater and you're a high school student and it's this like gorgeous theater that these giant touring shows come through. That was so cool. I totally saw that. I was oh, yeah? there. Yes. I, and it was like, it was really great. I don't, I it, it didn't really like, it didn't feel like you were seeing a high school musical at all. It, like in part because of all the talent that everyone brought and because it was the DuPont theater, um, which was beautiful. Um, yeah, yeah. I think it helps I, that we were all mostly like playing characters, our own ages, <laughs> which, you know, you go back or I go back to see like a, uh, you know, high school or a college show now. And there are so many, you know, kids playing adults. And it's just like kind of comical because when I was in school, I was like, oh, we're totally pulling this off. You know what I mean? But then you like look back and you're like, no, these are all definitely children. (laughs) So Katrina, once you did the Delaware Allstate show and you had finished your high school career in Delaware, you then went to Bucknell. So tell us a little bit about your theater experience there. So it was great. I mean, at Bucknell, it was so focused on doing things that we wouldn't necessarily get a chance to do in the real world. Like we did kind of this collaborative, um, devised performance of the Bacchae, which I remember being like one of my favorite theater experiences there, which was, you know, it's sort of this retelling of a, an old Greek show that you would never be, you know, do or let alone audition for in kind of the real world of theater. And then I, um, I graduated thinking I was going to go into theater and I did sort of go on that path for a year or two. And I sort of realized meaning theater with acting or, or were you thinking like production side? Yeah. Theater with acting. I, um, all, what I mean by that is I wasn't really looking into the film world at all. Then I sort of thought, Oh, I really need to have an audience there. And I really need to be able to like live the whole story of the, the, you know, the whole story through. Um, Whereas in film, you know, you're kind of doing one scene here, one scene there, you're not going in order, there's definitely no audience. And so I really wasn't um, super interested in film at the beginning. But then I just sort of liked the film community in New York. And I started doing a couple short films and realized that it was a lot more creatively fulfilling for me at the moment, and um, just a lot more rewarding. So I sort of got into the film world in New York. And then um, after a couple years of doing some short films as an actor, a writer, and a producer in various combinations, um, that's when I had the idea this past fall for the Women's Weekend Film Challenge, which is the organization that I founded. And it's basically a weekend-long film challenge with all-female casts and crews. So um, if you ever heard of like a 72 hour film challenge, probably people in the film world haven't heard about it. Like you kind of get together a group of people and you try to make a film in just like a weekend and you have all these, um, you have all these restrictions of like what genre you have to do or whatnot. And we have that sort of similar concept, except for we put together the team. So people are working with all new people and it's a lot of fun in that way. Right. So I remember reading that you sort of had two main goals or like your mission had was twofold Mm -hmm. for the challenge. So can you tell us a little bit about those sort of your, your big mission? Yeah. I mean, right now everyone's really hearing about me too and time's up and all this stuff going on in Hollywood where I think people are, um, people, not just in the film world, but everybody, viewers, just everybody is starting to realize how, you know, imbalanced it is gender wise. And, um, I had this idea of sort of doing something about that at the grassroots level, because I knew so many amazing female filmmakers in all crew roles and actors too, of course, um, in New York. I'm like, well, you know, if we could just be working together that we could, you know, make a lot more. And so my two goals were, um, the networking opportunities so that, you know, to me, if, 
you have worked with someone before, you're way more likely to hire them than if you just meet someone at a networking event and hand them your business card or something. So it, it was to have people meet all new people and work together. And then also um, basically just to help women tell women's stories. Can you think of any, um, because are there any mentors or um, fellow filmmakers um, that are on your mind right now that you see as sources of inspiration? Um, you know, bonus points if they have a Delaware connection, but just anyone at all that, that you really look to right now? Definitely Reese Witherspoon, um, just because she's not only acting, but she has her own production company. And so she's made films like Wild, which she starred in, and um, Big Little Lies, the TV series, which she was also in, and also um, movies like Gone Girl that she didn't actually act in. She just decided, you know, she read this book and she wanted to make it a movie and she did it. And... And bonus points is that she is the ex-wife of Ryan, yes. who is from Wilmington. <laughs> yes, there's always a Delaware connection. <laughs> Look, six degrees to Kevin Bacon. Mm-hmm. I really think it's two degrees to Delaware. I think we can make that catch on. Um, how can like how can we as Delawareans um, support you or get involved with these kind of um, missions when they're happening in New York City? Um, one of the things that you could do now is that we have a reel up of it's just a video of a bunch of clips from our first challenge. And we have that up both on our website, which is womensweekendfilmchallenge.com and also on our public Facebook page. If you just search women's weekend film challenge, honestly, just more people viewing it, more people liking it or commenting it on it or sharing it would just really help to get the word out. Um, we are taking donations right now. If people are, inclined to help out in that fashion. Um, but you know, really just like following on social media and getting the word out in that way definitely helps. That's great, Katrina. We, I mean, we are so excited to sort of, um, you know, get the word out in Delaware and help people to hear about what you're working on. And, you know, it did not, it did not escape me that you held the challenge, I believe the weekend of the women's March. We did. And one of the, um, one of the films actually filmed at the women's March, which was really cool and actually very, very ambitious because there are so many moving parts and people going on there that, you know, they had so little control in terms of, what the environment was actually like and the sound there, but it came out really cool that they actually had this whole crowd from the women's March there in their film. Yeah. And I love that current event tie in. We're obviously sort of a hyper local focus, but we're also very focused on the current events and and what's going on in our communities. Mm -hmm. Was there something that came out of the challenge that like surprised you or affected you in a way that you didn't expect? When we had, we had a private screening for all the participants a week after the challenge and just seeing everyone get there and everyone was like greeting each other, like old friends and hugging and just like they had really become friends in one weekend. And we had always really wanted people to, you know, end up hiring each other and referring each other to jobs afterward, which they have done. And that makes me like so, so happy every single time. Um, because that was like our main goal, but just to also see people become friends out of this and like support each other has just been really amazing. Like they've created lasting friendships and I don't know, it's really cool. Do you anticipate that like something like this could come to say Wilmington or Philadelphia if you needed like a a bigger city and what would, um, like what would you need to make that possible? So, um, my co-director Tracy and I are planning on, um, doing an LA challenge in the near future. And we're also looking at cities like Atlanta and Chicago and Philly and things like that. And, um, I think, yeah, I mean, we're definitely planning on expanding to other cities because there has been such a lot of interest. Um, we have an email list right now where people can sign up and check off if they're interested in New York or LA or other cities. So, I think the more people that we see checking off other cities, the more we'll want to like expand out sooner rather than later and see what we can get going in some of these cities that might have like, smaller film communities, but definitely really talented and really passionate film communities too. What advice might you have for like a young Delaware artist who's thinking about her future, where she might want to go to school, what she might want to study? Um, what would you say to her? I would say don't wait for permission to do whatever art you want to do. 
like if you if you're an actor and you want to act, you know, you don't have to wait to be cast in a play or a film or something like you can make your own film. You can write something like you can always be making yourself better and like continuing to work with new people and put stuff out there by creating your own work, even if it does take more legwork on your part. So yeah, don't wait for someone to tell you that you can do something or give you a venue or something to do it, but just to like make it happen on your own. I love that. I love that you're just suggesting like take the reins and make your own, make your own luck, not to sound cliche. Um, So we have just one last question for you, Katrina. When you come home to Delaware, and I know we're recording this before the 4th of July, but it'll post after. So when you're here this week for the 4th of July, what is the one thing that you absolutely have to do anytime you're in Delaware? I have to go to Woodside Farms and get um, black raspberry chip ice cream and a waffle cone. I have to do it. I crave it so much when I'm not in Delaware and you know, you can't get Woodside Farms in New York City. You just can't. So I have to do yeah, that. That's true. We love <laughs> we love how local that is. And it's definitely one of our favorite things to do when we're here too. That is a really great one thing to do. I might have to do it like tonight. You should honor. because you're there. Like you're in Delaware. You should be getting Woodside Farms you would every think, night. <laughs> you would think we go every day. But I have to tell you, this summer I have bought a pint of ice cream and I have not even cracked it open yet. Oh, man. Wow. That's either, like, impressive or, like, strange. Like, why wouldn't you, you know? <sighs> we'll go with it's impressive. It's I impressive. Have, I have amazing willpower. Amazing. Yeah, I don't have that willpower. I'm working on it. <laughs> um, is there, while we have you on the line, is there anything else that you want people to know about you or the project or, you know, the ways that they can get involved? Um, and your social media, the, how they can get in contact yeah, with how you. How they can get in touch with you. So for the social media for um, for the Women's Weekend Film Challenge, um, Twitter is WW Film Challenge. Um, Instagram is at Women's Weekend Film Challenge. Um, Facebook, just Women's Weekend Film Challenge. And definitely, like, if you are interested in getting involved in any way or you just want to hear what's happening with it, definitely sign up for our email list, which is at the bottom of our homepage right now on womensweekendfilmchallenge.com. And then your... Contact because people may want to follow you and your career um, as our Delawarean in the wild. You are that's your website and then your handle. So my website is just my name, which is katrinamedoff.com, and then my Twitter handle is katrinamedoff. Very creative, and my um, my Instagram is katya k a t y a underscore m twenty two. Okay. Well, we're super excited to share this interview with our listeners and help them connect with the arts and our Delawareans in the wild. Thanks, Katrina. Thank you so much. Thank you so much to Katrina for joining us and talking to us about her experience as a Delawarean in the wild and her impact on the filmmaking community. I found the conversation with her to be pretty inspiring, the way that she said, just, you know, don't let anyone don't wait to let anyone tell you yes or no, just go ahead and and make your art. Because I feel like that's something that we both can get behind. Um, But I also really appreciated how she inspired us to eat ice cream. And it should be noted that we did eat bowls of Woodside ice cream following that. Peppermint chocolate chip. I have to disagree with her on the best flavor because I think peppermint chocolate chip is where it's at. But they are all good. It was delicious. And you know who else loves ice cream, especially from Woodside? Could you tell me? The most famous Delawarean, well, second most famous because Aubrey Plaza has been has been known has been named the most famous. But Joe Biden loves Woodside ice cream. I think I know what you're getting at here, and it is a topic that has taken up a bit of our July Fourth holiday. Some relaxing reading. Yes, we managed to hit our summer reading list this weekend, and we were so lucky to get in touch with Andrew Schaefer who is the author of Hope Never Dies, an Obama-Biden mystery. And he was so nice to send us press copies so we could read them in advance and let you guys know what we think. And I think that we bring a really unique perspective as not only avid readers, but avid Delawareans. It's true. Not many people are as big of Delaware enthusiasts as we are. So I made a list of a couple things that I wanted to ask you about in our little mini book club here. Um, So I want to know overall impression... I want to know your, like, one Delaware detail thumbs up. 
and one Delaware Detail thumbs down. Sure. So my overall impression, great summer read. I really enjoyed, you know, this book. I think, you know, it's not it's not the next Gone Girl, all right? If you're looking for that level of thriller, keep looking. But if you're looking for something that's maybe a little grown-up Hardy Boys mystery, this is it. I think it really meets that niche need. I thought, very appropriately, I read this while on two Amtrak train trips. I'm on Amtrak a lot, and the subject of this book, it has to do with Joe Biden, one of his close friends in the Amtrak community, um, has been found dead on the tracks. And so he and Barack end up investigating this death and the larger implications for crime and a motorcycle gang in, in the Delaware community, um, specifically Wilmington. Um, so it made my two train trips up and down the Northeast Corridor go by very quickly. Um, it's a silly book, but it's an enjoyable silly book. And I think the, uh, the details especially were a lot of fun. I agree. I think, um, you know, Andrew Shaver, he did a lot of research on Delaware to, to make sure that he could get the aura and the feeling of Delaware correct. And I, I think he did a good job. You know, I appreciated sort of his reference to different parts of the city, talking about the different intersections, the different neighborhoods. And he did a good job most of the time of keeping specific names out of the book so no one would be offended that their neighborhood was the site of the crime spree. But, um, you know, there was one detail that I, I thought was a quick Google and, and it could have been fixed. And that's, he, he referenced last call as 2 a.m. And for those of us here in Delaware, we all know we cannot stay up that late. 1 a.m. last call in Delaware. 12.45 if you really want to wanna talk about it seriously. I remember the first time I went out with one of our girlfriends after call, like moving back, newly 21, and she wanted to go out to a bar. And we were kind of tired, so it was just going to be like a quick go out, say hi to people. And she's like, we're not going to stay late just until the bar is closed. And I was like, oh, my God. Because I was coming from New York. Right. You were coming from Pennsylvania. Right. So 2 a.m. for both of us, I think. In in Manhattan, it's later. Mm -hmm. But thank God. It was only 1 a.m. Um, but for me, a detail that I was really behind, um, you know, being the close reader of the Amtrak details, was that... Amtrak Joe. So Joe Biden, fictional Joe Biden, narrates the entire book. And he points out that no one actually calls the Wilmington train station the Joseph R. Biden Memorial... Or not, memorial train station. But whatever the memorial. full name is. Yeah. Um, which is so true. And sometimes I feel sort of bad about this. Or I'm like, am I not calling it the right thing? Because I've, like, I've Instagrammed at the station, and I can't even get the location to come up as the Joseph R. Biden no, train no, station. No, no. Correct. Correct. It comes up as, like, Amtrak Wilmington. Yes. Wilmington Station. Yes. Um... I did, we did tweet at Andrew Schaefer and we're like, to be honest though, we just call it the train station because it is more or less the train station. Yes. But, but Joe Biden and Barack both have a couple savage lines regarding that. Joe Biden says, nobody calls it that. Maybe that's why we shouldn't name things after people until they're dead. Savage. And then later he actually does call it by its given name. And Barack says something along the lines of, Joe, you're fooling yourself. You're not that important. And it is, oh, it is savage. He said no one calls it that. And he's right. Not that I'm like close personal friends with any of these characters in real life, but I did feel like he got the voices down really well. 100%. Um, my Delaware frowny face um, also sort of had to do with the train station. And that there was a detail in which um, Joe Biden gives directions as to how to get from the train station to his house, which I'm not like blowing any state secrets here. Like we all know where Joe Biden lives. And he, li he lives in Greenville, people. He lives in Greenville. Let's just say that the directions Joe Biden, fictional Joe Biden gives to get to his house are not the directions I would give to get to his house. Absolutely not. He talks about getting on the interstate. He talks about a Christmas tree farm. I, I kind of, doesn't he say something about taking Route 30? Which yeah doesn't even run through Delaware. I'm so glad that you. I don't. I don't even know where it was. I, it, Route 30 runs from Pennsylvania to Lancaster, basically. Okay, it's that area. Okay, all right. Um, did you? Was that was that your thumbs up and frowny faces? Well? Yeah, I, I think I agree with those for sure. I will have to say that a a star turn was made in the book, and that star turn was in Jill. We need more Jill Biden in our lives. There's, both both the real and the fictional. I hope that she... I, th I really enjoyed her role in the book in which she's sort of just like this 
like character that Joe's always like, oh, I wonder if Jill is worried that I'm not home yet. And she never is because she's always like out doing something. She's brunching, y'all. She has bottomless mimosas with her girlfriends at brunch. Where do you think she was getting the bottomless mimosas? Columbus Inn. Yes. Or, or Buckley's Tavern. I think those are the two options. Neither one actually has bottomless mimosas. I don't think that that's legal in the state of Delaware. But I'm just saying, I can 100% imagine Jill Biden in her pajamas at Buckley's with her girlfriends or at Columbus Inn for the buffet brunch. Yes. And then there also, there were some mentions that like she and Joe would watch Law and Order. But I think that she's watching The Bachelorette. She's definitely watching The Bachelorette. I don't know that Jill Biden actually has a real Twitter, but the fake Jill Biden Twitter is lit on Monday nights for The Bachelorette. Let me tell you, she knows how to sass every single guy on that show. Jill, Jill has it. She knows. She knows what's good. So I think ultimately, what are we giving, like, two Delawares up? Three counties. I think it gets three counties. It gets three counties. It gets three counties, two senators, and one congresswoman. I okay, here's what I have to say. I think you I think people should read this book. I think they're gonna find it funny. And I think that if Delawareans have any problems with how they are portrayed or how the details play out, they're only gonna delight in finding them. Because Delawareans love to they, be written, we, nobody writes about us. People from Delaware love talking about being from Delaware. And this is an opportunity for that. Whether they think the details are right, whether they think that they're wrong, they're going to enjoy the journey and they're going to enjoy talking about it. Agreed. So, as we said, three counties, two senators, and one congresswoman, thumbs up. And if you do want to check it out at a local bookstore, the Hocusson Bookshelf has a couple things coming up in which there's a launch party on... July 31st. No, the launch, oh, the party, launch party is a different day. Because um, the book comes out... The, the book comes out today. You guys will be listening to this on July 10th. So the book will be on shelves on July 10th. Um, and the Hocusson Bookshelf already has some. They already have some swag that I saw them unpacking on Instagram. Um, and, then there, and then Andrew Schaefer, the Andrew Schaefer is going to be coming to Delaware to give a little author's talk at Hocus and Bookshelf on the 31st. And that is on July 31st. And Dee, I'm not sure about you, but I am planning to be there. And I know there's been a lot of interest on their Facebook event. And so they're actually asking if people can try to RSVP so they have a better idea of hard numbers. So like I said, I'm planning to go. I think um, you're probably planning to swing by. And I, I'm excited to meet Andrew Schaefer. You know, he's been such a great author working with us and chatting with us about the book. Yeah, that's... I. I have enjoyed getting, I don't know if I really know Andrew Schaefer out of this. I hope that he has walked away from this experience getting to know more Delawareans as we have tweeted at him. And you know, I love getting to know Delawareans and I love getting to expose people who are not from Delaware to Delaware culture. And so I think Andrew Schaefer got that chance through this book, but we also have a guest joining us tonight, Ryan Catalani, who is not a native Delawarean and has some unique experiences to share after his time that he has since moving here. Hi, Ryan. We're so glad you could join us. Hi, I'm happy to be here. Thanks for inviting me. This is my first time meeting you, whereas I think that you've met and potentially even done some Delaware activities with Emily before. Yes, we met at the Italian Festival, which I understand is very Delaware. Oh, yeah. I went to, I went to the Italian Festival on Emily's first night. Yes, and Ryan was with me on my second night. Okay, I see how it is. <laughs> um, so... How do you know each other? So we were introduced through Meredith, who you introduced me to. And you guys will remember, Meredith was our guest when we talked about the royal wedding a couple of months ago. So where are you from? And tell us about how, what Emily might call your journey to the first state. Well, I was, uh, I'm actually from the 50th state, so that is an interesting transition. That's so nice Hawaii, weekend. for those of you who can't remember. Yes. 49, Alaska, 50, Hawaii, one, Delaware, everything in between. I have no idea. <laughs> That's correct. So um, I was born, I grew up in Hawaii. Uh, then I went to Boston for college. I went to Emerson, uh, which is uh, where I met the woman who had become my girlfriend, Christina. Um, and when she moved to Delaware about two years ago, um, I came pretty soon after. I moved here officially about a year ago. Um, and now I am a Wilmingtonian. Oh my gosh, I love that. So tell us about sort of some highlights of your first year in the first state. 
Well, um, so the Italian festival for sure was great. Um, I've been to the to the Greek festival twice now. Uh, Christina is Greek, so um, you know. So that's a big draw for her. We had to go to that one. Uh, we went to the um, to the jazz festival a few weeks ago, which was great actually. We went um, on the night of Brian McKnight. Oh, uh, which we didn't know. That sounded so amazing. We didn't know at first um, until we went, and Christina was like, "This guy sounds like Brian McKnight." <laughs> Because <laughs> we hadn't, we didn't look at this the lineup or the schedule or anything. Then we saw someone we knew. We were standing pretty far back in Rodney Square because it was so crowded. Uh, then we saw someone we knew from the city who said, "You should come up to the front to the VIP section. You know, there's seats." Ooh, so VIP. We, so we did go to the front and we sat down and we were, you know, like ten feet away from Brian McKnight for the last hour or so of the show, which was pretty cool. Uh, very unexpected, but a great experience. What, coming from Hawaii, this is the thing that I hear from everyone else who moves to Delaware, their thoughts on the humidity. Is this, what does this mean though when you come from Hawaii? Yeah. Uh, I've never been to Hawaii, to be honest. This is, the humidity I would say is pretty similar, but different in some key ways. First, the temperature itself is hotter. In Hawaii, here. here. Oh, in yeah. Hawaii. No, here. Here it's hotter. Yeah, in Hawaii it doesn't really get above 85 degrees or so. Oh, that sounds very pleasant. Yeah. It does sound pleasant. So really below 70 degrees is what we would consider cold and people would literally start bringing out quilts. And above 85 degrees or so is hot and people would start complaining. I think I could live in Hawaii. I could also live in Hawaii. The other difference is that there are in Hawaii are a lot more trade winds. So the humidity is there, but it, it really is a lot more pleasant usually because of the wind. And it's, it's a little, little breezier. Yes. I have to say that trade wind is not a word that often comes up. In, in Delaware? Ha in ha yeah. yeah. I think it's more of an island term. But. I think that it's so perfect that you are our guest um, right now because I think it was just last week that the Washington Post came out with the article about um, Delawareans and their... We're big, egos. We're big headed. Okay. We apparently believe that Delaware contributed 33% of the history to the United States. I don't understand this study. I don't agree that we contributed 33%. I think that's an overestimate. Yes. But I do think we contributed a disproportionate amount to our size because we are the first state without us. There would be no United States of America. For an entire week, it was just us. We were the United State of America. I think that Caesar Rodney is a true inspiration in that not only did he ride from Delaware and not even the northernmost tip of Delaware. He was in the Dover area. The Dover area. In the middle of the night in a thunderstorm. With the jaw cancer and the veil. Yeah, he had asthma... Can't, like, he had many um, maladies. Many maladies. I think if that doesn't inspire you to wake up in the morning and go to work, I don't know what will. I mean, he is a true national treasure, which is why he was put on the quarter, and he has a statue erected of him in Rodney Square. I have to say I didn't know any of this about Caesar Rodney. Um, <laughs> I do think, though, that, people, that Delawarean's perception of how its contribution to the U.S. comes a lot from the motto, like the first state. Because if you are the first state, you know, you think, oh, we must have had, like, a great proportion of the responsibility for this country. I think, I think the first state is very factual, like, literally the first state. I did not like it. And I think also my father was a little upset when the motto was, like, it's good to be first. I think, like, I know some people aka my father were they were like that's too that's too much that's crossing the line i, I understand you know uh, what's interesting is i think everybody has their own special place in their hearts for their their home state right. um and one of the reasons is that our national education curriculum spends one entire year of social studies focusing on the education of your own state's history and, you know, you have your friend Becca who skipped the fourth grade. Yes, she didn't know how, why I knew so much about Delaware and why she didn't know the same amount about Illinois. And then she realized it was because she skipped that year. She skipped the fourth grade, which was the Illinois state history year. For us, we had the Delaware state history year. And, and I do think even on top of that, obviously everybody has a year of their state history. But on top of that, people from Delaware visit every single location we talk about in that year. Because Delaware is so small geographically that 
you can get to every fort, every mm -hmm. historic home, everything you want in a day trip with no problem. Whereas that's not really true of Pennsylvania. I mean, people who don't live within an hour's drive of Philadelphia, a lot of them have never been to Philadelphia. And that's just not true of Delaware. Everybody's been to Newcastle. So Ryan, tell us about what you learned in fourth grade about Hawaii. <laughs> well, I, um, I don't think fourth grade was a history year for us. I went to a private school, actually the same school as Obama. So shout out oh. to your book. But oh my goodness. It's all linked up. It episode. all ties together. Um, there was a Hawaiian history year in third grade, but I started in fourth grade and then we had uh, sort of history in 11th grade. But in any case, uh, people in Hawaii do tend to learn a lot about Hawaii, not as much as they should, given that Hawaii was used to be its own country that the U.S. illegally overthrew, you know, its internationally recognized government. But we don't have to get into that now. Um, uh, but know. if you are interested, there was at least temporarily, but maybe permanently, an exhibit on that entire historic situation um, at the Smithsonian at the American Indian Museum. Hmm. In, case you, in case you wondered, it's a great exhibit. I recommend it. Um, so, I mean, what, what, what do you want to know about Hawaii? I will say that... Uh, it's similar to Delaware in that it's a small state, so you can actually visit a lot of historical sites um, as long as you're on the right island, but you could see them all on the same day. With there being, like, do you, is it, does it work the same way with, with Delaware and how we kind of get into our counties? And, like, do you... How many counties does Hawaii have? That's a good question. Is it, it by island? Is every island its own county? It's sort of. Um, the main island, Oahu, which has a million of the 1.1 million residents or so, um, is its own county. Um, it's actually called the city and county of Honolulu, which is the capital city. Mm -hmm. uh, and then the other counties, most of them are multiple islands. There are eight islands and four counties. Okay. Oh, so there are more counties than Delaware. <laughs> That is true, and Hawaii does have one more electoral college vote than Delaware because we have two U.S. representatives. Oh, so you got you guys have probably just crossed that barrier. Uh, I'm sure. Because... I believe it's I believe it's around the million mark, and I think we're just below the million mark. And you said Hawaii is sort of just over that million is, mark, so yeah. I think right in there. You know, I never thought I would ever move to a state that was smaller, like population or area-wise, than Hawaii. But then I came to Delaware, so. This is truly is a unique place for me. I can see how that would be a surprise for you. Yeah. Um, what is there like one thing that you really miss about Hawaii that you absolutely cannot get in Delaware other mm. than surfing? Um, I, you know, there is some, there are some foods um, from Hawaii. I know you've talked about poke here before. Yes. Um, which is a relatively new thing, I think, in and, the continental yes, U.S. Yes, indeed. And but, they just announced that they're adding more locations for yes, Poke Bros. Yes, two more locations. Now, I have to say I haven't been to Poke Bros yet because I was just a little scared that, like, a Midwestern chain is offering uh, Hawaiian food or local to Hawaii food. Uh, I would like to go. It's not that I don't want to go. I just haven't yet. I, I totally understand where you're coming from. There are so many great places to go. It's hard to fit them all in. Um, but there is this really great poke place on Oahu that um, is next to the only live auction fish market in the United States. You may have heard of the one in Japan um, where they, you know, the fishermen come in in the morning and then they auction off the giant tuna and other fish. There's one in Hawaii also. And there's, you know, a couple places around the island that serve sushi and other fresh fish dishes like poke from that market, so the fish is so fresh, it tastes like it was swimming earlier that morning, which it probably was. Oh my I gosh, love I love that. And I think that you mentioned that you are a photographer? I, I do, yeah, I do some photography. So um, have you found, I, you're talking about Hawaii and the details make, it sounds, I'm, I know it's a beautiful place because I've seen pictures. Again, I have not been to Hawaii, but I'm really rethinking that life decision. <laughs> we don't, why are we here? Why, <laughs> why are we in Delaware? Because Just, we have this podcast. You guys, we love Delaware, but it's okay to go on vacation too. <laughs> um, but to switch back to Delaware, yeah. what have there been any events, places that you've really enjoyed capturing with photography since moving here? You know, um, one of the first things that I did was to go on the river walk to the nature center. Um, 
along the Wilmington Riverfront. And I will say I went around Sunset and it was very picturesque. It was, I think I have some of my favorite pictures just from along that later part where you can look back and see the Wilmington skyline and then look the other way and see the nature preserve. So I, I really like that. That's great. So Ryan, you have told us about your journey from Hawaii to Delaware, sort of some Hawaii tidbits, some Delaware tidbits, your hobbies. Let's get down to it. What do you do for money? Because we all got to pay bills. Yes, and unfortunately we do. Uh, I work at a nonprofit called Family Promise, um, which is, again, a nonprofit that's dedicated to ending family homelessness. Uh, not a lot of people know that uh, family homelessness is a thing or even an issue, um, but we've crunched the numbers and it turns out that actually about one in 30 children in Delaware experience homelessness every year. Um, so that comes, every year? Every year. So that comes out to an average of someone, a child becoming homeless every 90 minutes in the first state. Wow. And that's crazy to think about. You know, I think often we think about how small we are and so the impact of, oh, it's only this many people, it doesn't seem like a lot, but that that's a lot of children. It and, is, yeah. you know, we're talking whole families and I know just from hearing others' experiences that a lot of shelters that are able to help with homelessness are um, exclusively focused on men or on women and children, and so families get split up in those cases. Right, and fortunately that is changing. Um, so Family Promise is actually the only provider in Delaware that has always been dedicated to families, so keeping families of any size or composition together. Whereas uh, in the past, and uh, you know, families that were had moms and dads together or were larger, you know, larger than four or six people might have to be split up into different places. Luckily, um, that is changing as the U.S. Department of Housing and Urban Development is requiring all shelters that serve families to serve any kind of families, regardless of what that composition is. Size um, and dynamic, that's yeah. great. Mm -hmm. So you guys, if I remember correctly, you don't necessarily have overnight facilities, right? You work with local area churches to provide overnight housing for the families. That's correct, yeah, we have a couple different programs. Um, so our temporary shelter program um, is operated through a network of congregations in Newcastle County. Um, and so families, are hosted overnight by these congregations who provide volunteers, who provide the lodging, um, typically generally in their churches, um, food, um, hospitality, just being with the guests as we call them, um, anything they need. And the families generally move out within about a month into permanent housing. That's great. So then you guys help to find them more permanent housing. Um, in a lot of cases, the adults have been laid off from jobs, that kind of thing. So, so if I remember this correctly as well, you sort of help them find some job training or job placement. Yeah, so our approach, which a lot of providers um, also take, is called housing first. And so the idea is that you get someone into housing as quickly as possible because that just alleviates a whole host of things. You know, when you're out on, when you don't have somewhere to live that's stable and safe, uh, it's hard to even think about getting a job or whatever your next steps might be. So our approach is to get them into housing first and then continue working with them for up to a year to uh, help them overcome whatever barriers might have led to that homelessness in the first place. So it could be connecting them with job programs, it could be connecting them to education, GED programs, um, whatever the case is, our full-time case management staff works on them one-on-one. -on -one. I think that is so great. Now, Ryan, what is your role specifically in the organization? So my role is called the, uh, well, I'm called the Director of Donor Relations, which is a new role um, when I started. And it is a lot of things. Um, well, as any, as any uh, small nonprofit is. Yes. There, every job really should could be split into four or five. It could. Um, but there are a couple of main areas, of course, one being donations and development. Um, so any sort of fundraisers would be under my purview, um, communications, so the social media, the emails, the um, annual reports, those sorts of things that we put out. Um, and then since it is mostly my interest, um, personally, uh, I'm able to help with a lot of technology things on our end, so improving our database, um, other sort of 
technical systems at Family Promise. That's great. One of the things that Emily and I talk a lot about on the podcast um, are events, activities, um, but I think a fairly big point that's important to us is um, just being involved with your community and knowing your community. So um, can you think of any, let's call them like blind spots for Delawareans um, that you want them to know about or if they're listening to you now, um, like ways in which you would encourage people to get involved? Yeah, so um, like I mentioned, not a lot of people think about family homelessness as an issue. You know, when you think of homelessness, you often have a certain image in mind of, you know, a middle-aged man out on the street under... With a paper bag and a glass bottle. Right. Uh, which, in Delaware, at least, it turns out that children are just as likely to become homeless as adults. And so, um, sort of to bring light to this, we are launching a campaign starting today called Hidden. Um, and so there will be billboards up around Newcastle County that have these statistics. Um, there will also be these special Instagram posts, which I can show you to later, um, that reveal hidden messages about homelessness in Delaware. Um, so you can check that out with the hashtag HiddenDE. And those will be on the Family Promise Instagram account? On the Family Promise. Which is at Family Promise DE? Yes. And there is also a special Instagram for this that's just HiddenDE. Okay. Mm -hmm. So... That's so awesome, Ryan, and thank you so much for sharing that with us. Oh, and I do, I did bring you to um, some Family Promise backpacks. Oh, family yes. Promise backpacks. You guys, we're getting swag. We are getting swag. So. I love it. We have these two new blue drawstring backpacks that say Family Promise of Northern Newcastle County. Our mission of ending family homelessness, proudly supported by Green Hill Pharmacy, which is local, and you know how we feel about local businesses, so we love this. I really appreciate all that you've shared, but I imagine you're not always at your desk. So what do you like to do to be part of the Delaware community? And what are some of the things that you're looking forward to doing in the next couple of weeks? Well, um, I am looking forward to the Ladybug Festival, which I didn't get to go to last year because I was in Columbia. Um, but, you know, just I think what I'm interested in is stuff that you're saying just to learn more. I've been here for maybe about a year, but... I feel like there's a lot I don't know about Delaware yet. And so that's why I'm glad to know you too. Agreed. So we have a lot coming up. We are actually, um, I'm hoping to make it over to the Ladybug Festival at least for one night, but I've got a couple different things going on. I'll be at the Man for Star Wars. The Philadelphia Orchestra plays the score and then they play the movie on the huge screen that's and it's cool. outdoors. A great experience. Beatles Fest is also coming up next week and that is a brand new festival. It's never happened before. So I think my dad and I are going to have a little date night I to remember go do that. You sent the link to that to me and you were, you said something along the lines of if you need me to explain this to you I think there's a problem with your rock and roll history it was funny when you I said hope it. so I hope so um Dee what do you have coming up um so something that we have coming up together is that we're gonna see um much do about nothing at Rockwood Park so the Delaware Shakespeare Festival starts um this week it runs July 13th through the 29th. And, and shows are every Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. They break on Monday and Tuesday. They're killing it. Um, so we're going to see them on a Wednesday performance, and we're volunteering beforehand. Yeah, so guys, come on out on July 25th. It's a Wednesday night. We're going to be at the ticket table selling tickets, ripping tickets. We're super excited for that. And, you know, it's a great opportunity um, to support local art by attending, obviously, if you can. And if you're interested, you actually can volunteer as an usher, working at the ticket table, concessions, a few things like that. And then you can see the show for free in addition to supporting them and providing the help that they need during their performances. Yeah, so something that I mentioned a couple podcasts ago was that I had wanted to take a ceramics class, but through my own fault, I waited too late to sign up and I could not get in. But by happenstance, I am actually turning July into a really artsy month. Um, I'm checking out two exhibits, um, one at the Brandywine Art Museum, another one at Delaware Art Museum um, for freelance articles. Um, so we'll be sure to share those once they're up later. And they're exhibits that I'm really excited about. I already saw the, um, it's the Sublime and Contemporary Art at the Brandywine River Museum. And I loved it. I thought it was so fun. I really recommend that you see it. Um, and then also we're hitting some music and some writing 
too. With we, I think the Ladybug Festival is also on our calendar. Ladybug Festival. We've got the State Fair coming up, and that's on our bucket list. So we're going to try to make it over for at least one evening. But I got to tell you guys, there is a lot going on in this same week and a half period in July. It is crazy. On top of that, we have the Best of Delaware party coming up. And then we have one more really exciting event, which is the Millennial Summit. So we're really excited. We're actually going to be doing some live interviews with speakers. And so you guys can check those out on our Facebook, on our Instagram. Like I said, we'll be doing live interviews throughout the day on August 7th. And then we're going to wrap all of those into a podcast episode that will be coming to you guys on August 9th. Okay. And I have one more question for Ryan. Yes. How are you doing on your summer bucket list? Hmm. Um, probably not too good, actually. Um, I, well, I have done more than I thought I would so far. So, um, yeah. What okay. do you, what's like the one thing that you still have to do and then it will be summer? Hmm. You know, I haven't made it down to any beach yet. So, so you got to hit the beaches. Yeah. Us too. We've got a trip coming up. I have another question. So we talked about they can follow Family Promise at Family Promise DE on Twitter and Face or and Instagram, I assume. And then you on Instagram and Twitter are at Magic of Pi. P-I, the number. And I have to tell you, before we ever met, I knew of you in the Instagram sphere. And I need to know. Why is your name Magic of Pi? Uh, yeah, so on Twitter I did change it to make myself easier to find. So it's just Ryan Catalani now. But Magic of Pi comes from such a long time ago. It was my like AIM screen name starting in fifth grade. <laughs> Love it. Uh, starting in fifth grade. Yes. Oh, this goes back. So so you have been known as Magic of Pi for probably 15 years. I, I guess that's at true. Least. Yeah, yeah. And wow. It came because my two interests at the time when I was <laughs> making this username were magic like performing magic and also the number pi you so, can do magic tricks um not as much anymore but i want that definitely right. once could well we definitely want to see that so to all of you listeners thanks for tuning in we're so glad we got to share with you our experiences with hope never dies we hope to see you at andrew schaefer's book signing at the end of the month getting to share Katrina and her experiences in New York and with the Women's Weekend Film Challenge. And then, of course, Ryan joining us to talk about his work with Family Promise and his experiences as a Hawaiian transplant to the first state. Thanks for listening to the Della Darling Podcast. If you want to follow us on social media, we are at Della Darling Pod on Instagram and Twitter and The Della Darling on Facebook. <laughs>